Thank you for joining the Hearing is Fun podcast, sponsored by StoneJacks.com. DJ Hondo here with special guest Robert Henry and Jacob Morrow from Robert Henry and the Repeaters. Robert, Jake, how's it going? Good, good to be back. Week two, I love it. Yeah, great, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here and part of the Hearing is Fun podcast. Three birds, one stone. We're in the Outlaw Studio upstairs at Washougal Times Restaurant and Lounge, where recently the band Robert Henry and the Repeaters played. Local songwriting legend Ron Chant was here and got to enjoy Robert Henry, Jacob Morrow, and the rest of the band. More on that later, because Ron Chant, Robert, and Jacob have already done some collaborating on one song in particular, but again, we'll get back to that later. Let's kick things off with some information about Robert, Jacob, how you guys met, how you got into music. Well, basically, we were the only uh, long-haired kids. And when I say long hair, a lot of people had long hair circa 2008, 2009. We had, like, really long hair. And we were wearing our metal T-shirts, and uh, I walked into Spanish class one day, and Jake had heard of me, I had heard of him, and we just started talking and figured out we liked all the same music and started playing heavy metal. Talent show winners, Lake Ridge High School, 2009. Uh, I still like to brag on that, even though nobody remembers except us. But uh, yeah, our uh, band name was Bigger Trigger. We played thrash metal, we played kind of more 80s, like hair metal, with just all hard rock stuff. It was fun, and that's how I learned to play. And I mean, Jake had been playing for years before me. I didn't pick up a guitar until I was 14. but uh, So I was still pretty new. I learned a lot about music from Jake and from our guitar player at the time, George. So that's that's how we met. We started playing heavy metal. And then at some point, uh, my voice dropped to the basement, and I figured out that my parents' music that they raised me on, all the, all the outlaw country stuff and classic country, suited my vocal range a lot better than uh, Metallica and Iron Maiden. So... Started doing that, working out pretty well for us, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. And uh, myself, I started playing drums when I was 10. I saw John Bonham of Led Zeppelin tearing up a stage and told my dad that's what I wanted to do. Here I am still attempting to get there. But uh, yeah, played uh, music my whole life. Uh, My dad's a musician as well, so kind of built into the family there. And then going to Lake Ridge High School in Lake Oswego, not a lot of music going on there. Uh, so when I met Robert, it was, uh, well, it's time to change that. So we, yeah, created Bigger Trigger and we set up for the stage. I kept going and playing rock and roll and, and such after Robert switched to country. And it was a few years into that where I started bugging him to let me try to play country. Sure enough, the opportunity came up and i um, still in the band. So I think I did something right. Yeah. And I actually just remembered something. I don't know if you even remember this. We had, a uh... We were the most active club that was actually incorporated at that school. It was Heavy Metal Club, Heavy Metal Mondays in the Rotunda, mm-hmm. where they used to give like lectures and stuff. At 3.30, we had the room for a couple hours, and anybody who wanted to bring an amp and a guitar, we would just jam on some hard rock and heavy metal stuff, and that was pretty cool. Uh, we kind of used that as a rehearsal in the early days. And yeah, after high school, I moved away a couple different times. I went and lived in Florida uh, for about a year, year and a half, came back briefly, 
uh, went and lived in Montana, ended up getting a job as the cowboy singer at the Roosevelt Lodge cookout, uh, the chuck wagon cookout in uh, Yellowstone, and did that. And then I came back, and I was kind of, I got out of music for a little bit. I wasn't playing any acoustic gigs like I had been for the previous number of years. And, uh, yeah, Jake finally bugged me enough. He was like, man, I want to I I play some country music. So we started a project, and here we are. Here we are. I'm glad that we jumped right in so our listeners can know we have real artists, real songwriters. We're in the great state of Washington in 2023. You all are Robert Henry and the Repeaters. Your history is from the state of Oregon, 2009. So how old does that make you guys now? I'm 28 years old. Yeah, I'm uh, 23. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm 30. <laughs> 28 and 30. That's a particular generation. DJ Hondo's about twice that. Legendary songwriter Ron Chant is about twice my age. So I'm glad that we have three different generations reflected. Specifically to 2023, Robert Henry and the Repeaters. Please let us know what you're up to right now, what you just got done doing, and what you're going to do next. Uh, what we're up to right now is actually... Uh... We're finishing up our full-length album, uh, which is something that we wanted to do back in 2020, but uh, there was a pandemic that kind of threw a wrench in things with that. So we released about half an album. I think one more song, and it would have been technically an LP, but we released an EP in 2020. But what we've got going right now is uh, we're finishing up our LP, and uh, we were actually just listening to our rough mixes on the way over here and talking about edits. And I'm making some notes on that. And that'll be released, uh, I'm thinking, in June. We're going to finish up our album, make the edits. I'm going to redo a couple vocals. We're going to have a fiddle track and a piano track come in on a couple on a couple of the songs. Other than that, uh, we're trying to get together a, a picker's circle here at Washougal Times. So look on our Instagram, at Robert Henry Music, and look uh, at, uh, at Stone Jack's Life. Uh, look for that on social media because we're going to be promoting that once we get it nailed down and what we're going to call it and who we're going to have on the bill on a month to month basis. So, uh, it'll, it'll be a fun time. We're going to do like a, a like a Lukenbach, Texas picker circle and be a lot of sharing original songs. So that's what I like to do. So, yeah. And on top of that, our Instagram is current with all of our, our shows that we'll be playing for the month as well as any other content that you'll, uh, you'll want to see. I promise it's good stuff. And on top of that, you can go to roberthenrymusic.com. Uh, we have a list of all of our shows that we keep up to date on there, as well as uh, merch that will be expanded upon soon that you can uh, purchase through that. Uh, we are most active on our Instagram. Again, that's roberthenrymusic on Instagram. So the beauty of the Hearing is Fun podcast is that it is international, which reminds me, let's be sure and get into states that you all have performed in. You know, we've had a pre-show conversation, so let's make sure we touch on Montana, the Dakotas. But full circle back to the three stones or three birds, going to reinforce what Robert noted. Washougal Times Restaurant and Lounge owner-operator Ben Jackson is going to ramp up a picker circle on the deck here at Washougal Times, championed by Robert and Jake. Noting that picker circle, a new development at Washougal Times Restaurant and Lounge. Recently, Robert and Jake 
and the full Robert Henry and the Repeaters band, minus the guitarist. That's the beauty of a podcast. We can get into some of the details. How about you guys walk me into the band members and then give it back to me, and I want to connect the dots about Ron Chant was here watching you all perform, Mm -hmm. and we'll go from there. Do you want me to just go through the the band members and stuff? As a DJ, just want to be respectful and accurate to artists in terms of who makes up the band. And the guitarist on that same day with Ron Chant was not your normal guitarist. Nonetheless, I found him extremely agreeable. Yeah. um, So the reason that it was so, you know, smooth uh, with that transition was so Gunnar Richardson uh, tours with a power metal band from the eighties. That's uh, pretty popular over in uh, Western Europe called vicious rumors. And he had a tour with them this past month. And we had a couple gigs that we needed to fill in for. And our previous guitarist, Justin Lewis relocated to Bozeman, uh, but, was free for those few gigs and came back. And I mean, he, he had been our guitarist for a couple years uh, previous to Gunner joining the band. And uh, he already knew all the material and all the covers we do. And it just is pretty seamless. He, he remembered all the stuff. So he was, he was a good choice for a fill in. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to work with him as much as we can. Uh, Gunner's our guitarist, but uh, we will see what happens because Gunner has been uh, showing some interest in pedal steel. So, you know, who, who knows? Who knows what's in store for the for Robert Henry and the repeaters? Justin is planning on moving back to our area as well. So, um, yeah, we might end up with a six-piece band. We might end up making some changes. Who knows? We'll see. But he's a great guitarist, and it was a very smooth transition, almost like he never left. And uh, so, yeah, that's our guitarist there. Um, then we have Bob Littleton on pedal steel, who is uh, an absolute champion i mean he's 73 now he's still going on multiple tours with us uh at our age somehow you know keeps us in line i always like to say he's our gandalf he's there with the wisdom the country wisdom he's our country gandalf so uh he's been a huge contributor to not only our sound but our opportunities our songwriting everything all the way around he's an incredible steel player and anybody around this area you mentioned bob littleton they'll know who he is so, yeah, we're blessed to have him be a part of the band. Um, we also have my counterpart, uh, Matthew Bulk Hogan, on the bass, a uh, hell of a bassist. We really, uh, he comes from rock and roll roots as well, so we like to lay it down but keep it country at the same time. We like to uh, emulate what Waylon's band was doing um, on albums like Honky Tonk Heroes. We keep a lot of the rock and roll back end going while Gunner, yourself, and uh, Bob keep the, the country over it. Kind of gives us a unique sound. So couldn't really do it without any of those guys. Yeah, and uh, going back to the heavy metal roots, I mean, we were talking about this on the way over, listen to our rough mixes back from the studio. It's kind of funny when you listen to it back because you can almost tell that, I mean, not to brag on my guys or anything, but I will. Uh, you can almost tell that... Uh, we're holding back a little bit because we, we do, I mean, four out of the five of us oh, yeah. come from hard rock, heavy metal. So you can, you can hear it. You can hear it. Cause we're so locked in. It's so like, it's almost like, I mean, you just got to hear the songs. Listen to the rhythm section. It's like heavy country. Like there's a lot of low end. The drums are locked in. 
but at the same time we got that twangy telecaster and pedal steel so it's we're really developing a sound it's been fun and that's one of the things that i really wanted to do was uh i have gone to nashville i've recorded with the studio cats that just do that all day they have sessions booked that's what they do for a living and no shade on them they're the best in the business but you're going to get the stock sound from them because it's pretty much all the same people playing it. So I went down and did that. And after listening to those singles that I initially released, I wanted to, um, I wanted to have my live band on the album. So that's what we're doing now. Just for a little bit of background. I I wanted to have, I want to capture our live sound and the, the way we do our original songs live and get that on record instead of going down to, you know, Nashville or LA or Austin or New York, wherever the hell you want to record it and having that stock country sound. Cause we have a sound. So, so a great way to get to know that sound is to tune into live or online, find music by Robert Henry and the repeaters. We're going to close this episode out with the band's latest single last cowboy hat in California. So stand by for that closeout. I want to point out that this particular recording is Chapter 5 of the Ron Chant journey to get his songs on the radio, and simultaneously Chapter 1 of the Robert Henry and the Repeaters via Robert and Jacob's journey as we pick up where you're at now and keep following you. Going back to your last performance live here at Washougal Times, legendary songwriter Ron Chant was up here on the balcony overlooking the stage area where you all played. 80-year-old Ron Chant appeared to me like a 12-year-old happy kid as he enjoyed you all play. That was a Saturday. Two days later, the following Monday, I get a text message from Ron that says, call me when you can. I called Ron. He said something along these lines. I was on my back deck, and I had this vision of Robert Henry and the repeaters playing one of my songs, It Hardly Ever Snows in San Diego. So if Ron has a vision, you do something with it. Later that week, Ron and I got together like we, like we do. Ron recorded a couple more of his songs that he has written. Specifically, Ron Chant had the idea of including a message directly to Robert Henry and the repeaters along the lines of, Hey, Robert, here's a song I think you should consider. And then Ron went into singing It Hardly Ever Snows in San Diego. Fast forward a week or two later, Robert, Jacob, Ron Chant got together here outside the Outlaw Studio at Washougal Times, and did what I would call a collaboration between songwriters and musicians taking a look at that song. We'll just call it San Diego. On our YouTube channel, on the Hearing is Fun YouTube channel, one can see the recording of that collaboration I'm referring to. It's magical. Another beauty about a podcast is you can cuss and you can give opinions, right? On Outlaw Country Radio, Outlaw.fm, an FCC nonprofit, you can't give any emotion. You can't say that is great or going to be great. I'm letting everyone know if you want to see what great looks like, 
specifically a great, amazing collaboration evolving between songwriters and musicians, please go to the Hearing is Fun YouTube channel and check out the collaboration. We'll be sure and put a link to that video in the description of this podcast. Still want to get to guns, regional differences, generational differences. Nonetheless, would you guys please elaborate on where you're at so far on your collaboration with songwriter Ron Chant? What you're going to see on that video is uh, me, me hearing the cadence and the delivery of the song from Ron and then the chord progression that came to my head which, uh, you know, I usually change the key to something that I can... I have a baritone voice, so I, I'll usually change it, drop it down to a key that I can really, you know, nail the vocal on. Um, and then as, as far as the arrangement, I almost heard... I don't know if this is how he wrote it, and, you know, I, I wouldn't want to change too much. Uh, I, lyrically, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, Ron is a great songwriter, Um but I'll have to get with him and really pick his brain on, on what he was thinking um, melody-wise. But uh, I was hearing almost a similar vibe to um, 14 Karat Mind by Gene Watson. I mean, that's I almost ripped the chord progression right out of that song. Uh, in fact, I think Jake was sitting here with me and I was Googling it. He saw me. <laughs> I was like bringing it up on the Ultimate Guitar app. It's like, what are those chords? And there's a walk down to a minor. It's 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 fairly standard, but it is it does have some spice to it. So uh, and then and and what you're seeing on that YouTube video is is totally organic, totally, you know, that's that's what would have happened whether there was a camera on or not. That's just that's how music is made. Yeah, Ron is an incredible songwriter, and he showed us a few of his stuff. Uh, got out his songwriting notebook, which uh, mine is minuscule compared to um, he's got a lot of ideas in there that I'd love to see and hear so yeah but on, on that one um, it was such a good song we knew that immediately we could do a rendition of it and uh, a damn good one and so to, to sit down with Ron and just get all three of our opinions uh, basically envisioning what the song could be was a not only a great experience but one that I think is going to lead to one of our Good songs. I think it, that song has a lot of potential to be a hit, and uh, it reminded me of an old classic kind of Haggard song, so that's what I was envisioning the rhythm section to sound like and the tempo. Um, and then, so yeah, you'll see all of that on that video. Hopefully there will be more of those to come soon. Yeah, and probably before we lay it down, there will be four or five different versions before we get the final arrangement, because Always that's just is. how it works. But uh, another thing about that song in particular is... Personally, for me, I mean, one of the lines in the song is, it's the furthest I could get away from you. Because you're like right down in the corner of the country. You go any further, you're in Mexico. Um, I won't get into it too much, but I do have an ex that, you know what, I probably at some points in that relationship would have run to San Diego. In fact, I, I would have fucking crossed the border. Um, <laughs> and at times I would have jumped right in the ocean. But we won't get into that. And I know Jake has probably had a couple relationships like that too. Yep. Um, so there's, there's a personal side to it. And sometimes a song for lack of a better term, uh, strikes a chord and it's just something that you want to sing because you feel the same thing. And that's how, you know, it's a good song. The other thing is 
you know, the, the reference to San Diego, California. We're a band that, uh, you know, a lot of bands come from the north or the west or, I mean, shit, even New England, and they go down to Nashville and they try to act like they're from Georgia or they're from Texas, they're from Tennessee or whatever. We have always been big on owning being from the west because, you know what, man, I've spent time in Texas, I've spent time in Tennessee. I know more cowboys from Washington and Oregon than Texas. I mean, they, they've got that culture there, but, you know, there's more, quite frankly, anymore. There's more open range out here than there is down there. It's a concrete jungle, unless you're in West Texas, which is a, almost, honestly, almost a whole different state. It's like Eastern Oregon and, and Western Oregon. But uh, anyways, long story short, we like to own that we're from out here. Um, and I, I don't think people should shy away from that. And, you know, there's there's political and social pressures when you, you know, go down south that, you know, you oh, you're from Portland. Well, you know what? I consider Oregon a separate state from Portland. And I consider the state of Washington completely separate from Seattle. Because if you go anywhere but Seattle or Portland, this whole area is it's farmers, it's loggers, it's ranchers, fishermen on the coast. I mean, we got good salt of the earth people, and we get a bad name for all the bullshit that goes on. So we'll get into that later, I think. <laughs> and maybe we springboard right now. Regional differences, generational differences, 28, 30-year-olds, we're just coming out of COVID. How about you all expand on your perspective, your experiences as a band, as well as just as humans from the West, from the Northwest as you toured and adventured East from here, but East meaning into the Rocky mountains and wherever you went. Yeah. So, uh, during COVID, uh, we, the, the two big years of COVID, I should say we toured anyways. Um, the whole West shut down for the most part, at least or in Oregon, Portland shut down. The rest of Oregon could care less for the most part, unless you went to Eugene, which same thing as Portland. Exactly. Uh, we toured anyways, so we ended up going east uh, through Oregon, through Idaho, to South Dakota, Utah, uh, Wyoming, Montana, that whole area. We did that two years in a row, um, and we're very active throughout the whole thing. And it was very interesting to see the attitudes of everybody, where you get in, into a one state and then the west part of the state compared to the east part of the state or this, the city versus rural, um, there was a lot of that going on that was uh, it was eye-opening and it was interesting. And the, the fact that we're from Portland and Oregon and bringing that out east, we did have that stigma of like, oh, here come the Portland people, like look out for them. But it was almost uh, we kind of had to prove ourselves. And once we'd get off stage, we generally did to, to most of the people that we met out there. And then they'd kind of open up and talk to us and then, had more of a, a person to person conversation about like, yeah, it doesn't matter where I'm from. I might be a liberal or I might be a conservative, whatever, but we're both humans. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk here. Let's have a beer kind of thing. And that was more of the attitude that I saw out there than, Oh, well, you know, fuck these people. They're from the West or from Portland. We don't want anything to do with them. It was more of an open and, um, conversation, more of like a curiosity of like, well, what's actually going on there? Is, is everybody actually wearing masks? Do you have to show cards to get into places? And we'd be, have to be like, yeah, yeah, you do. But we were in that place. And so we'd come back home or on breaks from tour and 
then all of our friends and people we know would be like, is there really no masks out there? Do you really, can you get anywhere without a, a card? It's like, well, yes, <laughs> yes, you can. So it was, uh, it was enlightening for not only us, but everybody we met as well. Yeah. Um, when, when COVID happened, I just, so a little background on me. Uh, I was a sheet metal for sheet metal worker for about, uh, I don't know, five, five years or so. And I decided in early 2020 that I was going to cash out my pension and, uh, spend all that money on gear and, uh, you know, trailer and uh, everything that goes into having a touring band. And I was, I, I said, okay, this is what I do now. I'm a musician. Uh, a couple months later, COVID happens. And I mean, in my mind, I was like, I'll be damned if somebody's going to tell me that I can't go make a living. So what we did was we went to the States that, you know, weren't, weren't going to tell us that we couldn't have people in a room together. And, you know, if they want to make that choice to come see us, that's great. If they want to, you know, play it safe and stay home, that's great too. But I'm not going to shut down my business because there's a pandemic that, you know, I won't get too far into it because we're not a political band. We love everybody, but I just thought it was bullshit and we weren't going to be stopped by that. Uh, we released music that year. We toured, uh, we toured the following year. And, uh, quite frankly, we toured in places that we never would have gone and gained fans that we never would have had because of COVID. We went to most remote areas of the United States because those were the people that wanted live music back and they wanted to have a kick in honky tonk band there. Uh, so, you know, a lot of opportunities were opened up. Uh, we never would have played the back porch in Sturgis. I'm wearing the shirt. Yep, uh, South Dakota. Spearfish, South Dakota. It's just uh, one town over from the Sturgis Rally. Uh, we played that three years in a row now. Um, never would have had that gig um, because, I mean, Sturgis was one of the only events that actually happened uh, on a large scale during COVID. So, yeah, got to meet a lot of new people. I'm going to radio edit. Podcast listeners, you can go to that same Hearing is Fun YouTube channel and see a video excerpt of this podcast episode. I'm going to go ahead and stop the video. So how about you guys give it one more wave or whatever you want, not to Thanks ham it up. In. Pushing stop on the video. Hearing is Fun YouTube channel will have a audio video introduction to this audio recording with Robert and Jacob. Since I interrupted this, Outlaw Country Radio broadcasts on outlaw.fm where I'm DJ Hondo, and I champion the Stone Jacks O'Clock live broadcast Wednesday show from 4 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, where one can enjoy music by Robert Henry and the repeaters, such as the song we're going to close this podcast out to, as well as the song Usually Goes and Storm the Gate. That's DJ Hondo doing DJ stuff. We were outside behind your pickup checking out an infield rifle that you were showcasing. I don't know if we want to get too deep into that, but that's the beauty of a podcast. We can get into whatever we want to get into. Mm -hmm. A quick disclaimer is if DJ Hondo had not have met Ron Chant, the Hearing is Fun podcast would have a way different perspective or content than it does now. 
meaning I couldn't wait to get, not necessarily get political, but to just get confident about sharing my feelings and opinions on the few things that I have strong opinions on. One of those things is our right to bear arms, guns, arms, Second Amendment, protection, etc. You guys are the ones that showed up with an infield rifle for a, for demo. <laughs> so maybe this is just more of a seed plant. Please stick around for more of these episodes. Not going to try to put these gentlemen on the spot, but please, uh, meaning you two gentlemen, let's get back together and maybe have some more prepared thoughts for another conversation that includes uh, Second Amendment and the right to bear arms, if agreeable. I'd love to. Yeah, I'm a strong uh, proponent of that. So. Shall not be infringed. Okay, boom. I'm going to have you guys think about some other topics that we need to make sure we touch on. Ron Chant, man of few words. DJ Hondo, someone who will say the same thing 17 times in one <laughs> hour, makes a heck of a match. There's one exception. It was exactly one week ago where the same group of us were together, meaning Ron Chant and you guys were together when you all took a look at It Hardly Ever Snows in San Diego. In the last seven days, Ron has probably mentioned to me 13 times that Robert and Jacob of Robert Henry and the Repeaters are likely going to perform, perfect his song, It Hardly Ever Snows in San Diego. So I've heard that a lot. Would you guys care to comment on that? Not trying to overdo it or underdo it. I'm just trying to call Ron out for the one time he's ever said the same thing as many times as I say things. Hey, I've got a chord progression. I've got somewhat of an arrangement. Uh, I've worked with it a couple times this week. Um, and, I mean, something like that, you give it to our band, and we'll have it down in a couple takes. So it's I'm excited. It's just a matter of getting our guitarists here so we can get a band practice, and then as soon as that happens, we will be playing that song at the next show we play, I promise. Yeah, so Gunner, come back to town. <laughs> thanks for letting me touch on that um ron's gonna love that i feel like ron knows that that was my instincts as well just didn't want to make any assumptions hearing is fun podcast musicians songwriters unless you guys got a particular direction we want to reinforce what's natural i'm going to always have this appreciation for musicians songwriters and how a how a song that starts out as a set of words gets turned into a, what we would all call a song that could be played on the radio or that the band could play at a show. So any input on songwriting and Jacob drumming drummer life, if you'd be willing to share what makes a good drummer, how do you become a drummer? What's the key to a drummer sample size of one? That is certainly a, an intrigue. I also have. Yeah. I'd love to answer questions about that or, or discuss whatever relating to that anytime. Okay, so here we are at Washougal Times Restaurant and Lounge, not to be confused with Washougal Studios, which is our makeshift studio about 10 miles from here where we have an outdoor stage and an indoor room that's got a sign that says Washougal Studios. But <laughs> we try to put bands together, but no one can drum. Any guidance on how to become a drummer or what do you look for in finding a drummer and building off of that would be much appreciated. So 
Rhythm is important right off the bat. So if you have any kind of sense of rhythm, if you find yourself tapping your foot along the songs, then you have a sense of rhythm. Then find a song that you you like to listen to a lot. See, with guitar, there's all the different frets, there's different strings, there's different chords and different... There's there's all kinds of stuff going on. With a drum, when you hear a drum, you know what drum that is. When, you, when somebody hits a snare drum in a song, you can visualize it, you can hear it, you know exactly what they're doing. So if you can break that down, for me when I was younger, ACDC. Their, their drummer is kind of renowned for his simplistic beats. Not that that's a bad thing. It's done, executed perfectly. But that's a great way to learn. Um, play along to your favorite songs. Play it, it might not sound good at first. Keep going. It's a sense of willpower when learning any, any musical instrument, but especially drums, because patterns are unnatural to humans. So if you're forcing yourself to perfect patterns, it's... Your, your brain can think it, but your hands might not be able to do it. And you're moving each limb independently. So there's a lot of mental barriers you have to break through. I would just say have willpower, keep pushing through, keep listening to that song, and keep trying. Eventually you'll get it, and you'll be relieved, be like, damn, I'm going to go have a beer, celebrate now. You're a drummer. There you go. I picked up the encouraging element that the beauty could be in the simplicity. When you say just play along, meaning one drumstick in each hand, yep. one kettle or one pot, and just play along? Uh, you can do that. Uh, obviously, I would try to get a, a drum set of some kind, whether it's a little electric one or an acoustic one. There's a lot of good learning platforms out there. You can get yourself a drum pad. You can use your lap and your your feet on the stool you're sitting on, for example. It doesn't, doesn't really matter too much as long as you can get your hands and your limbs to do those things. So when you sit down on an actual drumstick or set with sticks in your hands, you'll be able to translate that onto it. But really, um, it's getting the, the mind, the mental barrier of doing different things with each different limb in rhythmic patterns. That's the tough part. You can, you can hear yourself doing it right if you're doing it along with songs, or you could pick up, you know, starter books, things like that. There's a lot out there for that. But in my experience, trying to play along the music you like is the easiest way to pick it up and see results. Uh, that goes for learning guitar, learning bass guitar. That's the way that I find is most um, intriguing and more compelling, especially for like if you're younger or even if you're whatever age. But it's it's more... Uh, compelling to see direct results to songs that you like. Okay. How does a drummer know how to, let alone execute the concept of two drumsticks and one foot, let alone two feet, simultaneously kicking ass? So start simplistic hit your right hand at the same time as your right foot and then do your left and then switch that up and then um, try different patterns. Try alternating right, left, right, left, and then do your feet, then do them both at the same time. It's all a matter of, of learning patterns and then doing it over and over again. You can set a metronome. There's a lot of apps on the iPhone, for example, that will just set a, a little beat for you to follow and then just try to stay within, you know, Color within the lines, I guess I would say, uh, sound-wise. Yeah, other than that, I mean, it's 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 not like it's easy. It's definitely tough. Uh, it, that's what I meant about the willpower. Is there's a lot of frustration that exists trying to 
figure out that limb independence and everything else. But there's a lot of guides on YouTube. There's videos everywhere. There's there's a lot of drummers around in any area that I'm sure would love to help you, including myself. So yeah, there's there's always resources to do it. Um, really, if there's a will, there's a way. That's what I would say is most important. Is if you got that sense of rhythm and you want to be a drummer, go for it. And don't stop until you feel like you're a drummer. That's all I can really say on that. I will also say that, uh, especially for our type of music and a lot of other like roots type of music, country, uh, blues, jazz, it's at least in the meat of the song when it's going on, it's more about what you don't play than what you do. Because you have to be able to, I mean, especially with something like percussion, you're always going to be tempted, especially when you're first starting out, to just like, really go there's nuance to it you got to have dynamics and know when when you fit in and, and when you need to lay back and that's really with any instrument yeah once you feel comfortable to the point where you're playing uh in you know with your friends or in bands or everything drums can easily be the loudest thing in any room you got that's something you always have to be mindful of so you don't always have to hit them as hard as vinnie paul from pantera or something you know you can kind of lay back and especially to touch on what Robert was saying, playing country in those genres, you really got to, it's what, what you don't play that really stands out. So when you do play something, it is accentual and stands out even more so. Uh, but you never want to be walking over other members of the band, but that's, you know, figure out how to move each limb independently first and then, <laughs> then worry about all that. So if you have to hit hard to do that, go for it. But yep. I'm going to reinforce something that we can, edit out of this conversation if it's just not applicable or guiding someone the wrong direction. But this is my experience. Neighbor has a drum set. I sit down, wallop on the drum, at least maybe one foot on the bass drum in my two hands, and I'm just drumming, drumming. Okay. It turned out a particular day a real drummer was also there. He sits down after me, and I just watch him drum. Like the rate of drums per second, or maybe scratch that, like the speed of him drumming was much slower than my speed. Like in my mind, a drummer's just hauling ass and flying and not saying you're not. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was accurate and had rhythm and timing. But it was a epiphany for me like, oh, wow, I was going way too fast on what I thought a drummer does. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It's really easy to play too much um, on any instrument, really, because you're there to play. You want to play, so it's it's easy to do that. But yeah, uh, it's with drummers. It's you can be playing very little, but seem like you're playing a lot. So it's just a matter of of time behind the drum kit, I suppose. Yeah, and also, I mean, with with anything, um, especially a full band. We do it, too. Uh, it's easy to get excited live and play too fast and when you're in front of people. So you gotta, you, you got to really have the mental discipline to keep in time. So how about we keep this educational, get back to Robert Henry and the repeaters and some educational slash fascinating concepts. What's it like to be a band performing live? Because from this balcony, looking down at you all kick ass, it looks awesome. Now, honestly, it depends on the night, but uh, I mean, we, we've, we've done it so much that it, it's almost like we go on autopilot. Like, I don't remember the shows, not cause I'm, you know, drinking or whatever. It's, I mean, I usually don't drink all that much before I sing because I want to sound good, 
but uh, like I, I black out in the sense that like your brain goes on autopilot because we've done the show so many times. Like I don't, I don't necessarily remember unless something really stands out. Like some girl takes her shirt off or, you know, <laughs> like I'm not going to remember like singing each particular song because it's just, um, it's muscle memory. But as far as being in a band, like there's a certain camaraderie that comes with, especially going on the road and, uh, staying in hotel rooms and, you know, stand out at night after the shows. And it's, it's, it's a brotherhood. And the more time you spend with the same group of guys making music, the better music you can make because you get to get know, you get to know each other, not only as musicians, but as people and their personality always shows through in the way they play. Um, so like, I don't know. I look at you sometimes. I know exactly what you're going to do on the drums, even if you've never done it before. And it's kind of like a weird thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, the musical telepathy between everybody, uh, band chemistry, um, definitely a real thing. And yeah, when, when you're playing, it's like being in a relationship with four other dudes and then also <laughs> traveling all the time. Um, it, it's interesting for sure. But, uh, thankfully with our band, none of us dislike each other. We don't get in arguments or nothing like that for the most part. Uh, it's all, always pretty, pretty awesome. So it's just like kind of having a lot of friends that are family and also relationship guys, I suppose that <laughs> we, we just, yeah, it's a, it's a very unique sense of, it's hard to consider it a job, but it's a unique job. And it, it is, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, I mean, we got to make sure all of our gear is present, working, and then get it all set up, get everything ready, make sure all the mics are good, make sure everybody's levels are okay before we play the show. Um, so there's a lot of work that goes into it. So we can't have anybody going off and getting drunk before the show or anything like that. We, the, everybody's got to keep each other in check. It's the accountability factor. Exactly. Make sure everybody's doing what they should be doing, but we've done it so many times that once we have the stuff, everybody kind of knows what they need to do. I'm setting up the soundboard. People are passing me cables behind the drum set. Robert's getting the mics going and the guitars going. We all know exactly what we need to do. So we kind of just do it now, um, which leaves more time for what we, I'm sure all of us do it for is getting out there, meeting people, um, playing for these people and just experiencing new places, new things. Uh, it's a really awesome way to, have an adventurous life while still bringing a lot to people and getting a lot out of what you're doing. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I would say, I don't know, probably the, the only, the only stronger type of brotherhood that exists is probably like on a military level. But I mean, I wouldn't say musicianship is a, a close second, but it's somewhere in the mix. It's, it's up there. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into this. Yep, and a lot of time with the same people and uh, making new connections with people and building communities. There's a lot involved with it that you don't necessarily think is going to be involved with it at first until you really start doing it. Um, and that's one of the greatest parts about it is everybody you get to meet. And um, like I was saying, you're kind of bringing the Portland mentality out to South Dakota and people are looking at you like, what's going on here? But then they get to talk to you, have a conversation with you. And then it's just, Oh, how are you doing? It's a, it's a normal community. It's, it's enlightening. Um, how are you doing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Out there, it's a, how are you doing? Yeah. All that. It's great. But hey, bye. yeah, see, that's something we learned from, from this experience being in a band. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really unique. And I 
consider us lucky to be able to do it. But um, at the same time, there's a lot that goes into being able to do it that you're sacrificing. For example, a normal schedule, uh, money, benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's a little rough sometimes, but um, we all do it because we love it and we love the sense of camaraderie and community and really what it uh, affords us, the opportunities is it affords us. And one thing I will say, especially, you know, recently is we've been around long enough now and we've played bigger shows and done tours and put out music and stuff. And I don't think I'm out of line saying that uh, we're a band in this area that people kind of look up to. And so it's kind of been weird transitioning from like trying to get there and then like, Oh, like I guess these guys think we're a pretty big deal. You know, it's like, you know, we'll meet bands and, and like they already know, like we'll go out to shows and we'll, they already know who we are. Like how the hell did that happen? Um, so I guess we're doing something right. Yeah, it's, it's really humbling. And especially out here, there's a scene that's being created um, in Portland and Seattle and everywhere in between and around. It's really cool um, to see this budding classic country scene kind of sprouting here and to be a part of it and be kind of towards the top of it is a really awesome experience. Um, it's something that I never thought I would be saying is a is it even a possibility? So to be living it is weird and we're just getting started. So yeah, we're, we have no uh, plans to be slowing down anytime soon, only speeding things up. So yeah, we're just getting going on this adventure. So I got two things to tack on here. One of them I never get a chance to say, so I'm just going to say it. I, like anybody, have witnessed a large number of live music performances. I've certainly seen bands that I've enjoyed and I've seen bands that I just didn't find agreeable. But I have never been to a concert. I have never seen a band that had a steel guitar that wasn't great. So thank you for having the musicians you have. You're not out to, to keep me happy, but that's a simple fact that I just never get to say out loud, but I've always thought that. If the band has the steel, a steel guitar, it's going to be great. You all certainly uh, epitomize that in addition to the rest of the instrumentation. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you can't really add a steel unless the rest of the band is locked in and you have to learn how to play with the second lead instrument. So that's that's all I'll say. I mean, it's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Any particular topic we should touch on with respect to Robert Henry and the repeaters? I think we pretty much got everything. Yeah. yeah, I think we um, pretty much got everything upcoming. Yeah, our 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 latest uh, single is out on Spotify. It's called "The Last Cowboy Hat in California." Uh, if you want to look our music up, just look up my name, Robert Henry. Uh, all of our stuff is on Spotify, um, Apple Music, whatever you listen to. We're on every platform. Yeah, Robert Henry. That and check out our Instagram, Robert Henry Music, on there, as well as our website, robertherrymusic.com, for all of our upcoming events and all of our available merch and anything else related to us. Thank you for tuning in to the Hearing is Fun podcast. Special guests, Robert Henry and Jacob Morrow. We look forward to having them back for Chapter 2 of the Robert Henry and the Repeaters Journey. We're going to close things out to their latest single, Last Cowboy Hat in California. You guys want to close it out with some final words? 
I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be here and hope you guys tune in next time. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us back. Uh, and we, I look forward to doing this on a semi-regular basis and hanging out and being in the studio. And one thing you'll notice about this single is uh, it kind of touches on some of the, the social and political themes that we touched on in this conversation. So, yeah, you guys have a good day and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We gone. When the treble is all gone and the bass is too damn strong, there'll be no more cowboy hats in California. Don't try to say nobody ever warned you When the West ain't the West Destiny ain't manifest Till there's no more cowboy hats in California When his boots are full of holes From the needles he's been kicking on the sidewalk On the same old land that his granddad and the grapevines and the livestock When that lonesome cattle call No longer fills the old dance hall There'll be no more cowboy hats in California California. Don't try to say nobody ever warned you. When the diesel's too damn high and the reservoir is dry, there'll be no more cowboy hats in California. And I don't wear my cowboy hat in California. Hearing is Fun Podcast, Outlaw.fm, StoneJacks.com. StoneJacks is a food seasoning. When we started in Texas, we started it as a barbecue meat seasoning, which it still is. But upon returning home back to Oregon, Washington, and bringing the seasoning to the Northwest, just as many people in the Northwest find StoneJacks seasoning agreeable on non-meat items such as potatoes and salads and soups and vegetables, Bloody Marys. So we now, and probably forevermore, will refer to Stone Jack's seasoning as an all-purpose, great-on-everything seasoning. Robert or Jacob, any quick notes on your thoughts on Stone Jack's seasoning as we do a shameless interruption? Oh, I I don't mind that. I'm shameless. I, I get it.
I will say that uh, I've been provided now with two shakers of Stone Jacks. God, what was it, two weeks ago? You know, a lot of people, I don't know, I'm really big into cooking. That's a whole other thing that we, we could get into. <laughs> I made a pot roast in the crock pot. And a lot of people use, like, the ranch dressing packets and the, uh, like, onion soup mix. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the same amount that would be in one of those packets to season my uh, pot roast with Stone Jacks. And I'll be damned, it was the best pot roast I've ever made. So I mean, all I had to do was really cut everything up, put it in the crock pot, and turn it on. But it was delicious. Yeah. Oh, and I put it on my fried eggs the other morning. That was also de- Oh, and I used it on some steaks. I sent you a picture. Yeah, I had a couple sirloins that I was trying to get rid of and uh, did them in the pan. And all I used was stone jacks. It was good. Thank you kindly for sending that picture in. That's what our social media the Stone Jacks social media is built on pictures, videos, testimonials that are coming in from patrons. So thank you for doing that. That keeps it fresh and original. Jake, look forward to getting together next time and getting your opinion on it. Um, I would already have one, but I left my bottle in Robert's truck. So, yeah, you'll be hearing my opinion soon, I promise. The other thing, I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but thank you for what you all have been saying. That is the catalyst for me just to propose this. Robert, Jacob, the reason I do a lot of what we're doing right now is to promote my company, Stone Jacks, which is a seasoning and now a line of apparel. If agreeable, I would like to keep you, the band, stocked with a case of Stone Jacks seasoning for you to ideally do something along these lines. Per live show, identify a military service member and or a loved one of a military service member and give them a bottle of seasoning. Would that concept be agreeable? Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, We are huge fans of our veterans and appreciate the hell out of them and everything that they've done and the families of those veterans. Uh, It's a hell of a sacrifice you've made and it's one that should be appreciated by all. So if we can help, give a little seasoning to them, then I think it'd be an honor. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my dad was Marine Corps. My uncle was Marine Corps. Uh, my granddad was army. He was on Saipan. Uh, our buddy, Matt Dungy, Lake Oswego cop, uh, was, uh, in the infantry as well. Uh, so we we're, we know a lot of people and yeah, we'll definitely do that. And I, and if we don't know anybody, we'll just call it out at the show and we'll, We'll give them some stone jacks. Thanks for letting me drop that on you guys right now. Perhaps we can collaborate on it and come up with clarity that's just agreeable to all parties. Absolutely. Another show, another time, we'll get into the background of the seasoning. But in a nutshell, it was started as something cool to do for military service members. The reality is transitioning from something cool for military service members into a for-profit business with a product for sale. Not that it's challenging. I'm, I can handle it. But we are evolving, and now we have evolved into just a corporation that has products such as seasoning. But without passion or prejudice, Stone Jack seasoning was created as something cool for military service members. I'd like to keep us together, keep that concept alive. 
if agreeable. Absolutely. I would love to. That's just, that's how music is made. It does have some spice to it. So, uh, then, and, and what you're seeing on that YouTube video is, is totally organic, totally, you know, that's, that's what would have happened whether there was a camera on or not. That's just, that's how music is made.